Previously on Talking Joe. Yeah, then you just smashed. I smashed nine mince pies yesterday, oh and you know I didn't even like them. But no one else in the house is going to eat them, and I don't like chucking away food. So that's your total allowance of calories, right there, isn't it? You got it. And I woke up at 1:30 a.m. with a massive gut ache. Oh so my god! It could be down to that. Talking Joe is on the air, and here are your hosts, Chief and Mark. Hey, hey, hey! Yeah, that's right, the Chief Doggy Dog is back in the house, joined by you. Yeah, back once again with the Renegade Marker. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And uh, you lucky people out there, you uh, a couple of days ago sampled the bonus episode we stuck out for the yearbook. Uh, slipped in under the radar, sneaky style. But now we're back with episode 102, and uh, we'll be covering Silent Option for Parter. But before we get to that, let's get rid of the usuals. How you been, my friend? <laughs> Good. How are you doing? Well, I'm jumping straight on that soapbox. Uh, it's kind of a, a quasi inside Chief's mind slash soapbox because I've got some stuff to say. Soapbox, soapbox, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when Chief comes for you with his views and opinions? Let's just call them facts. Soapbox, soapbox, how will the world react? I'll break it down for you. Monday, was it Monday? I think it was Monday night. Um, was it Tuesday? Was it Sunday? Don't know. I can't remember. It's all blurred into one. I think it was Monday night. I had a email from the solicitors about the uh, selling of our house, Uh-oh. and the buyer's solicitors were saying, um, "Where's your?" Um, um, policy for where's your lease uh, we need the original 1954 lease because I'd sent off the 1988 lease which is all I had when I purchased it and they mm. said we're not going to proceed unless you produce this 1954 mm. lease I didn't have it anywhere contacted my old solicitor who when I bought the property they didn't have it um, so they're like the solicitor saying oh they might pull out the purchase I was like oh bloody hell and then my solicitor eventually came back later in the week saying don't worry we can just do an indemnity policy but it will cost you about 120 quid um i was like okay great that's 120 quid out of my pocket then monday night about 7 p.m neighbor downstairs below me uh messages me oh hi chief uh i've got some water coming down through my ceiling in my my kitchen so i was like all right shall i come and have a look and uh so i went down had a look and yep lo and behold there it was a about a meter line across the middle of her ceiling and three fifty centimetre drips coming down the wall at the back of her the, the back wall in the kitchen. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, this doesn't look ideal. So I went upstairs. I was like, I hadn't had the washing machine on, I hadn't had the dishwasher on. All I'd done all day in terms of kind of tap usage was I had washed up at about five thirty PM in the sink, which is our kitchen's directly above their kitchen. And I then had run and drained a bath for Evelyn at about 6.30. Okay. No no That's wet patches, strange. no wet pipes, nothing. Could not spot a leak. Pulled everything out. No leaks anywhere. And it just befuddled me massively. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to call a plumber out. So that night, Monday night, I went on um, online to find an emergency plumber. I, I found some... It was kind of like one of these conglomerate service all services for you or some bullshit like that and you know you it's like a call center and they just then source a local plumber rather than going direct to the plumber so i booked one of these to arrive between 9 and 12 on tuesday and it was 114 pounds an hour and 
He got to about 11, no, no sign of him, so I phoned up this place and said, look, where's the plumber? And they go, oh, um, I'll give him a call and tell him to call you. So it got to then 12, heard nothing. So I phoned him back again. I said, look, I spoke to someone. They said they'd call him and he called me. He didn't call. He said, fine, uh, I'll get him to call you. So I was like, all right. Then so it got to one, nothing. And I was, I phoned him back again. I said, look, this is, I've phoned up two times already. People have just jogging me on here. Uh, not, no one's calling me. And he said, all right, I phone him now while you're on the phone. So his phone, he goes, right. And I, I could hear the mobile that he was dialing and it just went straight to voicemail. So I was like, he's like, oh, he's not picking up. I was like, I know he's not picking up because otherwise he would have called me back or something. So in the meantime, I had phoned a plasterer because I thought, well, if this is leaking, it's going to need a new ceiling. So luckily there was a plasterer. Um, I phoned about three and they were like, we can't do anything until the weekend. And I was like, that's no good. And then I phoned one and he said, oh, I'm just down at Asda, 10 minutes down the road. He said, I'm coming by your place anyway. I'll swing by and just have a look. Brilliant. So he t- And then when he turned up at about half one, the plumber had turned up as well. So they turned up at the same time. So the plaster has gone in. He goes, yeah, this is a problem. You've got a, a, a bowed ceiling here. So he drilled a hole into the ceiling where the leak was uh, and the drip was and then a gush of water just started Ooh. pissing down so we had to get a bucket underneath it and then he goes yeah you're gonna need to take this ceiling down so then him and the him and the plumber just started cutting up the ceiling and um they cut like a two meter by one meter oblong a rectangle out of her ceiling and just water was just pissing down everywhere and so then the plumber is the plaster has then buggered off. The plumber has gone up to my place, can't find anything. He, then he's up in her ceiling, looking around. He can't find anything. He's there an hour, and he goes, I cannot find a leak anywhere. He goes, none of these oh. pipes are leaking. We turned the water off. We turned it on. Everything ran every tap. He says, I cannot find anything. He goes, you must have spilt something. I was like, you're kidding, aren't you? What, like a, a a bathtub full of water all over the floor? That did not happen, pal. Pint glass full of piss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, but this was like a tonnage of water, and um, everything was soaked. And her kitchen was an absolute bomb site. I mean, the thing is, what you got to remember is, about two years ago, the same thing happened in her bathroom. And my bath leaked, and it, and it ruined her bathroom scene, and I had to get that repaired. Oh, and now the same thing's happened in her kitchen. So, <laughs> uh, fortunately, she was okay with it, but uh, it could have gone very badly. But anyway, the plumber's gone, right, well, I can't see the leak, so what I suggest is leave this hole open in her ceiling for two days to go about your business as normal, and if no water comes down, just patch it up. And I was like, what, what, just leave it. Just Where did that water come from? He goes, well, I don't know. But he says, I can't find the leak. I thought that's what I was paying him for, to, to find the leak. Anyway, that's 114 quid. He's buggered off. And that evening, I what I'd done is, I said to downstairs, I said, look, I'm going to, I went down and I kind of pinned a old duvet cover over this hole. Just tacked it up. Just to, you know, give her, you know, so if anything did fall down or whatever, at least yeah. there's something there. And I said yeah, to her, look, I'm going to put the washing machine, I pulled the washing machine out. And I said, I'm going to put the washing machine so I can see if it leaks. Put the washing machine on. If you see any drips onto this duvet, you'll you'll will know that something's not right. So I put the I put the washing machine on, and she said, "Yep, yeah, a little drip has come down." But I could not see. And there was no leak coming from this washing machine. The waste pipe going into the waste pipe under the sink. There was nothing. And she said, "Well, it's not getting bigger. It's just like a little drop. So there's a surplus of water somewhere." And I was like, "Fine." So then. I thought, well, the washing machine waste pipe's going into the main waste pipe under the sink, but there's another one coming off the left, which is a dishwasher. Now, I pulled the dishwasher out. The waste pipe was fine. However, where the drip was on this duvet, I thought, well, maybe that is the pinpoint directly below, above that to my place. Maybe that is exactly where it's dripping down. And that was directly underneath my sink tap, but 
where it goes to the floor, where the fitted unit meets the floor, it was kind of like sealed with like, um, you know, decorator's cork or whatever uh, that seals that down. So I had to get a hammer and a, and a screwdriver and just chisel and just pull that bit out, looked underneath, and there was the dishwasher hose, which was kinked and had a big split in it. So, Detective Chief. So det- I, I was the plumber then, and my kid said, my five-year-old kid said, "Daddy, you ended up being the plumber." And I was like, "Yeah, but I ain't getting paid 114 quid for it, am I?" Um, so I found, yeah, there was the leak, which um, was just an isolated bit of like 50 centimeters of the dishwasher hose was hidden under that mm. bit, and that was where the leak was. So, and it was directly above where this drip was on this duvet that we'd kind of isolated. So anyway, um, I'm glad you found it. I was worried I wouldn't get closure on this story. <laughs> well, it's a long story already. But anyway, the plasterer came round next day, 350 quid, plaster up that ceiling, um, 114 for the plumber, uh, 22 pounds for the hose I had to order, which was for the for the dishwasher which was 486 in total so then i ordered a takeaway to round it up to uh, 500 so what the hell um then i fitted the hose when the the hose i ordered yesterday or hose i ordered which i tried fitting yesterday um i put the dishwasher laid it down watched some instructional videos you have to take the base plate off but then there's a molded piece underneath and i just could not get to the section where the hose goes into the dishwasher. So I was like, no, I don't want to have to now pay a plumber 70 quid and a new plumber, like a not an emergency plumber, just a regular plumber, 70 quid an hour to come and fit this hose. So I thought what I'll do is I'll just splice the hose. So I cut, uh, you know, the bad bit of the hose off and then just got a, a bit of a pipe and then uh, some silicon and a Jubilee clip and kind of spliced them together myself so that will probably leak soon anyway so anyway hopefully i'll be out of here before then but anyway that is the saga of chief's Chiefs leaky floor that cost him 500 clams okay Um, well very good so you can find us in all the usual places because we're all said and done chief's going to jump off a bridge no i don't want to jump off a bridge i want to talk about action figures okay let's do it action figures we all love them, we all love them. Action figures, oh yeah. They bring us joy in our daily lives. Bring us joy. Action figures, yeah. Evoking memories from our childhood. childhood. But now we're grown and we just can't stop, just can't stop. Buying plastic till our wallets pop, 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 pop. When will it end? Who can say? Who can say? Cause action figures are part of our DNA. DNA, DNA. Some people say maybe we've gone a little wacko. But action figures bring us joy like a rainbow. They are so hot like a splash of Tabasco. Now it's time for action figure fiasco. Now it's time for action figure fiasco. So since I went down the uh, action figure collecting of the the one twelfth scale, I have had my eye on these Storm collectibles, uh, Street Fighter figures. Storm collectibles make a lot of Mortal Kombat. They do Streets of Rage, King of Fighters, a lot of these fighting games, Street Fighter, um, that kind of stuff. And 
they're so expensive though they're like 70 quid each for like a 112th scale figure and the other thing is and you'll notice from the size here even though they're marketed as 112th scale they skew massive so i've sent you a picture here of the one i bought which is an m bison arcade uh, against a uh, black series star wars lando kerosene skiff guard these are the same scale figures and yet uh, bison is ginormous um as you can see by the picture oh, yeah. good grief what yeah yeah so the scale is all out of whack uh compared like, to yeah compared to what? other lines yeah that's um, almost double that's like well, but I found this guy's Black Friday sale, uh, Kapow Toys. He was forty-seven ninety-five. So I thought, look, I'll treat myself. Um, and it is in my top five favourite figures of everything I own. It is so what? good. The, the articulation is so smooth. He comes with eight different hands, four sets. Um, easily pop off compared to some of these other um, Hasbro ones, which are a bit tight, whatever. The three different heads very easily snap off but you still get a nice purchase when you clip them back on two skirts two different uh, lower portions of his cape um <laughs> it comes with toe joint hinges comes with a uh, like a toe do you say toe joint yeah he's got a toe some of these have toe oh joints so they kind of hinge there um articulation's great figure looks great the paint apps are fantastic um he comes with also like a charging fireball kind of effect and a little stand so really impressed with the storm collectibles and i in fact the other day i found on a couple of days ago i found on a facebook group someone was selling three storm collectibles sagat uh, guile and a king of fighters terry bogard for 50 quid all in but with no accessories so only one set of hands no other accessories but 50 quid i thought i'll get those just to see what the street fighter ones other street fighter ones are like and then i could always shift those on for probably 30 40 quid each individually anyway if i, if I like them so i mean this guy yeah uh, the, the bad news is he's really good so now i want to get more but because the bad news being expensive but um and they don't scale well with other other brands but you know small price to pay i suppose there you go. That is a M Bison arcade version, and um, I will get some pictures up on the socials. And is now, the design actually one that you're f familiar with all, already? Because I'm obviously used to the OG M Bison yep. from Street Fighter Two. Yep, the red outfit. Now this yeah. is a Street Fighter Five arcade version, which no, I am not familiar with. But um, the more I look at this color scheme, the red, the the black. Is the main color with the red and gold tinges and this big skull, gold I like, skull. I like that skull on the shoulder. That's good. Really, really, I almost prefer this color scheme now to the original. Um, but yeah, I, I think I've got Street Fighter Five, but just never really played it. I played Street Fighter Two um, countless yeah, the, hours. It's, it's, is that the one know, that was on the free download a couple of like a month ago or something? Oh, P PlayStation Plus Five was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I played two. Me and Ben played two hundreds and hundreds of hours yeah uh, me too. three and third strike i played a lot as well alpha alpha two played a lot of the games but then i kind of fell off didn't get four um or five and i tried no, actually i got four on the xbox and um just found it when i played online i was just getting mullered every game and it's just <laughs> it had passed me by my, my skill set yeah, yeah, yeah. you know outgrown it but um great figure great figure um and I want to get more. If I get more, uh, we'll cover them on this show. But right now, I want to hear what Thomas has been looking at. Kids with toys. Kids with toys. Pokemon. 
Kids with toys. Kids with toys. Family. Kids with toys. My little pony. Kids with toys. Kids with toys. Transformers. Kids with toys. Lego. Kids with toys. G.I. Bet me, me once again, Thomas. Yes. Last time. <laughs> Previously on Thomas Talks Toys. <laughs> yeah. I was talking about the Mandalorian figure. Yeah. This week I think it's going to be a diff- bit different because there are three st- Storm Shadow figures and. Uh, well, gonna... three toys you're going to talk about. <laughs> we're going to talk about them and then at the end we're going to decide which one's the best out of the oh, okay. three. Okay, good idea. So we've got Storm Shadow version 32. 33 and 34A. So these are all Storm Shadows from the Rise of Cobra line, yep. of, which was tied into the movie, and they all came out in 2009. How oh, old yeah. would you have been then? Um... Less than zero was the answer. Yep. <laughs> okay, so why don't you tell, tell us about Calculating, calculating, calculating. What's, which one should we talk about first? Uh... Let's talk about Storm Shadow first. <laughs> They're all Storm Shadow. Let's talk about the one that's less similar to the two. Uh, the one with basically no top. Okay, the topless one who is showing off his boobies. He um, doesn't have boobs. He's a boy. Okay, all right. So here he is. He's very damaged. He's like damaged. he has scars on him. Yeah, it's sort of from this scene. Not in... that the toy is broken. <laughs> it's not that the toy is broken. Yeah. It's just. It's it from. Has... It's relating to that scene in the movie, isn't it, where he's fighting with um snake yeah. eyes and they but have quite a brutal fight. In the fight. movie, uh, his mask's off. Uh huh. But yeah, it's quite unusual, really, to have a figure who's just like cut up like that. I can't think of any other GI Joes who've got such. Bad scarring from a fight. Yeah, I can't think of any G.I. Joes who under the mask actually have loads of scars. I'm not talking about under the mask, dude. I'm talking about on the figure. (laughs) I know. Okay. You know who I'm just a referring to. You're talking about Snake Eyes? Yeah. Okay, so that's that's that guy. What what about the next one on on your lineup? They all have similar bents actually yeah they're all you know built in the same way and some similar joints yeah. so what about the maskless one that's version 33 he's sort of like in a oh, whoops. like he's sort of in like a almost like a white biker jacket i think isn't it mm. with the the top sort of slightly zipped down and flopping open what i don't like is the fact that they it has the cobra symbol because in the comics he actually joins the G.I. Joe mm. team when they find out that Zartan killed the Hardmaster. Yeah, that's a good bit of the comics, isn't it? This guy's Wait, from... that's a spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, hopefully everyone knows about that spoiler already. This guy's from the movie though, and in the first yeah. movie he's pretty much a cobra baddie through and through. What do you think what do you think? Is it more interesting in the movie or in the comics? I prefer the comic storyline for for Storm Shadow. Because I remember we read this the, the comic when we were reading the comics, we got to an issue where Storm Shadow is gunned down on the beach by the Baroness and drops down dead. Wait, spoiler alert! <laughs> uh, he comes back to life, jump because he was in an ice cage. He breaks out of the ice and deals with some dreadnoughts. He doesn't kill them. Yeah, he put he's put in a sort of a serpentor vat of stuff. Come, rises Wait, out. Wait, don't they use a bit of his DNA to make Serpentor? Yeah, something like that, isn't it? That they sort of they. Th- if you know about Ma- Serpentor, that wouldn't be a spoiler for no. you. 
Too not too much of a spoiler. Hopefully, but I yeah. don't know that much about the storyline because I'm still reading them. Yeah, you're still reading them, but you can remember what you read so far, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, he's used as a bit of a new, uh, fresh meat, I think, in the Serpentor stew because everyone else is thousands of years old. <laughs> yeah. So back to these toys. So the the last one is the we're talking about is the version 32. So he's in a sort of a long white coat this look and masked and he's uh he's got like a oh yeah i think he's in the best condition i think i know why he's in the best condition it's because of his this um this coat he's got makes him a little bit less uh maneuverable because he hasn't got it's quite so he can't do a high kick can he look which uh which of these three figures do you think's the uh your favorite and i think i know which one already it's between the two, uh, Storm Shadow uh, 33 and Storm Shadow 34. That's a hard decision, but I think it was 34. Okay, just as I suspected. It's the guy with all of the deep wounds to his chest. <laughs> Which is yours? I think he's my favourite out of these three too. I think it's a, I think it's a very. What is your feature. least favourite? My least favourite is. It's clear for me because it was a hard decision between the two. Between the two it? others, yeah. It's the guy with the coats. Mm-hmm, yeah. His coat is just too inflexible to be used as it's a. It's not the flexibility. Playable... It's just the design. Really. Okay. So, are we done with those three toy reviews? Yep. See you next time, Thomas. Okay. Good stuff, good stuff. I mean, is he generally a fan of Storm Shadow? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's uh, he's yeah definitely into to Snake Eyes and, and Storm Shadow, two of his his favourites. So uh, yeah. yeah, good, very, good, very regular play uh, play figure for for him, the Storm Shadows. Has he got more? Has he got more in him up his sleeve uh, for the next week? Maybe I think so. He's enjoying doing these. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe another okay. one next week. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Look forward to it. Um, now we do need to talk about some comics though. Comic talk, oh, comic talk. Barry Hammer writes them, Chief and Mark discuss them, whoa. Comic talk, oh, comic talk. Barry Hammer writes them, Chief and Mark discuss them, whoa. Right, on the slate this week is Silent Option, issues one to four. This was from September through to the end of the year 2018. And... Let's just pick out some of our favourites because four issues here, but uh, mm. multiple variants of each issue. I think issue one, my favourite. I actually like cover B, the the Kenneth Lowe cover, who is actually on the backup strip here. Yeah, it's good. He's got yeah, he's got an interesting style, isn't it? It's very it's uh it's not irregular. So it's, so it's sort of kind of um, Dustin Guy and Light. Yeah, who, I can, who's I can the see guy, that. the artist on Ascender and Descender? Yeah, maybe Dustin the guy and meets Fiona Staples or something like yeah, that. It's uh, yeah. yeah, a nice uh, a nice style and and uh, his pinups sort of look quite different to uh, the uh, the actual meat of the story. I'd yeah, say you'd yeah. almost think they were a separate uh, separate artist. But yeah, yeah, we've got what is it? Most most of these ten, bottom ro- most of these variants. bottom row ones. Yeah, a bit too cheesecakey for me. Yeah, cheesecake nonsense. Uh, the Dea Diaz cover a is a is a lot of uh it's it's sort of open mouth shouty look to it which i'm not not keen on to be honest i'd say don't don't have everyone with their mouths open you'll catch flies yeah yeah um less covers for number cover uh, issue two so again we've got the a nitho diaz and the b kenneth lowe um 
Third one's not too bad. What's that? The retail incentive by Luca Pizzari. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. okay. Nice, nice bit yeah. of sheen on the sword there. Um, what have we got for number a, three? There's a Gab- Gabriel Del Otto as well. Uh, oh, the Snake Eyes one. With, yeah. Uh, yeah, Snake Eyes with some blades over his shoulders. I have a feeling I've seen that one somewhere before as well. Yeah. But, uh, uh, okay. Issue three. three. Not Don't really dig any of these ones. Uh, we've yeah. got Nitho Diaz of Kenneth Lowen and SL Gallant, but... Yeah, well, they're Nitho right, Diaz okay. has got at least it's it's playing to the uh, it's playing to the story itself. It's almost like uh, a page zero to the, to the story. It's in terms of what's going on. It's got yeah. uh, Helix falling down after she's been thrown off the chopper. Yeah, and then number four again, we got the Diaz cover A, the Kenneth Lowe B, and the SL Gallant retailer incentive. Um, nice colouring on the Gallant one, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Jay Brown there on the colours. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, bold choices of of, of colour with the red lighting, which yeah he's commented on before is something he likes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, you know some mixed bag stuff there, but overall not too bad. Um, this story, I don't know how publicised it was that it was coming out. You know, in the middle of ARA, was ARA still being published while this was coming out? Yeah, they the... were being published together, and, and okay. yeah, they were definitely being cross-promoted in terms of the advertising in, in, okay. the, in the back um yeah and it, and because this was going on at the same same time uh i don't know if how how logical a, a sort of a break there is in terms of where okay. this slots in but because uh bomb strike is one of the key characters in here and she's also featured in the uh in the main ara story that's yeah. that's going on where she's in a different location okay um so so yeah well you know, well, yeah, just uh, let's uh, let's find out what it's all about then. Okay, time for some plot breakdown. <laughs> Hold on to your skirt, because this is a long one. Bombstrike and Dora Moreno are on the trail of a mysterious helix. Starting with her foster parents in the US, the team is filled out with Alpine, Torpedo and Throwdown, Snake Eyes 2, as they follow Helix's gruesome trail as she hunts down human traffickers. In particular... Gregory Samsa in Bolivia, Maud Gaz in Trucial Abysma, and Isla Bachman in an oil rig off the coast of Scotland. At the oil platform, the Joes are caught in a trap by Firefly and his red ninjas. They fight their way through the ninjas and to a helipad, where Isla Bachman is holding Helix at gunpoint and wired with dynamite. The Joes are forced to let the helicopter leave with Helix on it, but Bachman kicks the wired Helix out of the cargo door. In free in free fall, Helix escapes from her exclusive her explosive bonds, while Torpedo leaps from the oil rig, tackles her in midair, and they drop into the North Sea. Through flashbacks, we find out more of Helix's history. She was the creepy girl, but her mother, who'd been trained by the Blind Master, probably, introduced her to martial arts. Back in the present, Isla Backman, the Red Ninjas, and Firefly arrive at the home of Helix's parents. Helix races back with Bombstrike and Dawn. The parents hold off Firefly, Isla Backman and her flunkies from their safe room upstairs. The three Joes arrive and blow through the flunkies. Firefly and Isla Backman surrender but turn on each other. Isla shoots Firefly in the shoulder while Firefly responds by blowing off half of her face. Meanwhile, in a backup story, we see Helix's origin. On a mission 12 years ago when Snake Eyes rescued Helix from traffickers, Hawk takes an interest in Helix's unique skill set and sets her up with an adoptive family in the Witness Protection Program to train her for Black Book Ops. Whew, take a breath. 
Yeah, so quite a bit of stuff going on here. I was confused from the outset. <laughs> and um, I was going to suggest a Am I Stupid? But then it did get explained because at the start okay. of this issue, um, the Joes are here to rescue this codename Helix character. Yeah. But it's not... We don't know at the beginning whether yeah. she's a Joe or not. Yeah, it's and not spelled out for you through right at, right at the outset. It, it no, is and thrown I, right in it. And I'm curious. I was like, at the beginning, I was like, how do they know this person is called Helix? I thought they were just trying to find a civilian and, or, you know, a civilian who's turned into some kind of, you know, vigilante. And mm-hmm. I was like, why are they calling her Helix? Why, why aren't they calling her by her actual name? which I don't know what that is. Seems um, to be Helix. But then when we get to the flashbacks in the in the origin story backup, that's when, okay, fine, she was recruited as a Joe. But then Hawk kind of does say, you're going to be, you know, under the under a covert, undercover ops specialist. No mm-hmm. one's going to know about you. So then it did confuse me about how all these Joes know that Helix exists anyway. But, okay, fine. Well, uh, I maybe... don't think they did until this this point. Oh, Hawk said, I want you to go and get this character called Helix yeah. out. Okay, fine. Like, All right, who's that? What have you been up to, Hawk? Nighty bye. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All but right. Yeah, it's it's sort of, my impression was it's very much like, it, you know, it's one long story with, you know, no no subplots, which is kind of what we've been having in, in the main book where lots, you know, they're juggling mo- lots of multiple locations and, and characters and subplots at the same time. So it's, you know, it sort of hits the ground running and goes all the way from issue one to, to four, sort of following the, the same plot. And it feels like they're kind of going for a, a big blockbuster action uh, widescreen picture look to it. Um, yeah, it felt like a really bad B movie to me. I didn't. I know we we spoke briefly offline. You quite liked it. I thought it was a stinker. Um, I just thought, and I think this is part of. I've been struggling with GI Joe as an IP recently, uh, and I think this is kind of hitting the nail on the head here. I don't care about any of these characters, and I think that's probably dampening my enjoyment mm. of the stories and books um it i don't know it it felt like you said it did feel quite filmic but to me not in a good way just the bit where they go to the parents house at the end i mean oh my goodness i mean why are they, what, what i don't know i don't know i'm you you this, this is your chance to uh, okay. turn me around on it Okay, so I mean, it's it's one of the things that struck me is is I guess it's outlined in the, in the on page one. We've got a, do, a dossier there that uh, outlines the the main players. We've got Bomb Strike, Alpine, Torpedo, Snake Eyes, Slash Throwdown, uh, Snake Eyes, Slash Dawn Romano, and uh, Moreno, and Agent Helix. And you know, those are the core cast for these four issues. Uh, it was nice to have that dossier setting out, you know, who the who the folks are. Um, and also have that, you know, a a core cast uh, and developing those, those out in a in a story. We've, I guess, uh, Larry's sort of obviously he's got a, uh, a soft spot for for Dawn, and she's been very much featured. Snake Eyes is always going to be up front and center. Um, Helix is the the new one. Bomb Strike is a is a relatively new character who's had quite a lot of airtime and is obviously getting fleshed out. Um, 
I think Larry's having quite a lot of fun sort of with the female cast as well. So we've got uh, three strong uh, uh, female leads here. And then we've got uh, a couple of the B-listers uh, sort of rounding out the, the cast in, t- in terms of Torpedo and Alpine, you know, characters who've been there since very early on in the book, but haven't necessarily had uh, too much airtime. Interesting. I mean, this is the introduction to helix in the era world yeah but um she was in the idw books you know same basic character but with you know subtle different differences there um and uh alpine and snake eyes and helix were kind of a sub team in in the snake eyes books so it's interesting that actually the three of them uh are kind of front and center in this team as as well isn't isn't Wade Collins is no what's it isn't Sean Collins supposed to be known as Snake Eyes? Why do they keep calling him Throwdown? I thought yeah. that was his name before he became Snake Eyes. Well, that's that's and right. They, they kept making him. a point in the other book to say, listen, we need to make the world believe that Snake Eyes is still alive, so yeah. only refer to him as Snake Eyes, and yet they keep calling him Throwdown. And I thought the same same thing that they do keep return, referring to him as as Throwdown. Um, and and you know like like I say in the in that dossier they call snake uh, they call Dawn Moreno Snake Eyes there yeah. which is a bit weird I think she hasn't actually been called Snake Eyes no she's just Dawn from, isn't she yeah, yeah. Um, and Bomb Strike in one of the issues he says that Sean's operational code name is Throwdown but in the presence of Cobra Cobras we call him Snake Eyes which is slightly changing the the dynamic rather than just saying you know that he should be Snake Eyes all the time. And I want some of it, him being called Sean or Throwdown, is coming from Torpedo. And, and uh, I speculated that possibly it could be a slight bit of resentment, possibly, of, of this guy coming in and, and sort of assuming the Snake Eyes persona and, and him sort of being like, you know, almost you're not the real Snake Eyes. You've still got to prove yourself to me. I'm yeah. going to call you Sean. Or I'm going to call you Throwdown. Yeah. Um, possibly. I'll tell you who's machoing up big time. That's Alpine. Yeah. He is dangling guys off of buildings there's a scene where they um or is it that first one where they go to the enemy compound and he basically just oh they got one guy prisoner uh he's got gunners but in alpine just opens up his machine gun just starts killing everyone before they've even had a chance to draw their weapons oh right this is where they're at the uh at the door and they burst through and yeah alpine is is uh <laughs> he said he goes what there's nobody there gets again dog bath oh dog no bath. i'm talking about the, i'm talking about the other bit where they go okay. to the compound and <laughs> they've got some guy and then um he says girly you have no idea the bad guy says girly you have no idea how much of a world of hurt you are bringing down on yourself and alpine's like is that so excuse me while i pop open a six pack of butt kick <laughs> and they just kill some people yeah um i mean yeah. there's uh, Alpine and did you clock his his real name um, uh, in the dossier as well? It's uh, nice to be reminded of that. Albert M Pine. Yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, up there with Skip A Stone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking to to it, but there's a there's a lot of gore in this. It's like it's the uh, you know R-rated version of GI Joe. They've they've clearly got a bit of a mission statement uh, on this book, which is to go full out on gore, full out on. Uh, you know deaths <laughs> killings yeah. uh as it as it were uh, yeah and um they're, they're obviously trying to uh, nail some uh 
human trafficking uh, going on and there's one bit where they're in a i don't know what what issue it's in where they're in a downtown scene and some guy comes out and he says oh yeah we'll take her she's a bit old and haggard but we'll take her so the joes were they were they supposed to be posing as uh, selling um who was it was it bomb strike i think it was bomb strike wasn't it yeah okay. i got that impression that, right. that they were kind of looking for looking for trouble and yeah. uh, found it yeah a guy's just popped out he says yeah i'll buy i'll buy the lady you know, there was there, there was no indication that she was there. You know, she wasn't uh, there against her will or anything. But anyway, um, I did quite like. Um, and then, and then, sort of continuing on that same 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 screen, they they get to the they get to that traffickers uh, location, and uh, they you know they've uh, he's obviously been you know abusing these these kids, and they just leave him leave the kids alone with. Uh, with with this trafficker with a a desk full of knives for them to uh to pick pick up and uh do him over essentially yeah yeah, yeah. they said uh <laughs> torpedo says oh lordy the waste box is full of fingers is toes and and then the these kids go excuse us we need to pick off pick up where we left off before Curda's men showed up please yeah. i'll tell yeah. you where isla backman is if you promise to shoot me yeah, yeah, there you oh, go. Vicious kids. Um, speaking of kids, Red Ninjas are, are, are training their kids young as well. Because <laughs> yeah, we we when they go rig. to the oil yeah. rig, there's a young Red Ninja um, in training, so to speak. Or could be a midget. Could be a midget. Um, Red Nin. It feels like the Red Ninjas were crammed in here for no reason, or not? Yeah, what? I mean, the story could have probably worked with without them. What um, was the reasoning? I can't have forgotten already. I only read it last night. What was the reasoning for the Red Ninjas being there? So I think that this main baddie, Isla Backman, um, had basically outsourced some of her um, goons to, to Firefly and his Red Ninjas to right. to give her some extra muscles. But there were so many Red Ninjas killed in this. Yeah, In, in pretty grisly ways. I counted. Okay. Uh, do you want to... Guess the count. It's time for Chief to guess the count. How many red ninjas have been killed? 28. I counted 35. My count okay. might have been off because there was a lot going on. But, All right, okay. Um, well, that's just a guess. That's just, so not, not bad, not bad. Um, they never um, do well, do they, the red ninjas? No, they I mean, never do if, well. you know, I think there's a lifetime of training that goes on into becoming a ninja. Yeah. Um, I think they also have endless numbers. Yeah, it, it's it kind of it feels a little bit like they're treated like the hand from Daredevil, where yeah. there's this sort of you know countless legion that, that is somehow created, and yeah, if they're going through that many, um, you know, they must be a fairly endangered species, you'd think. It's, yeah. you know, now it's not, I want to draw your for, for career longevity. No, I want to draw your attention to the end of issue two. Bomb strike has been strapped with explosives and chucked out the back of a plane and um, someone says, oh, Isla says, now you have a choice. Shoot her until the explosives detonate well above you or wait until she hits the rig and blows all of you to der Tufel. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Alpine says, it's your call, bomb strike. You have to make the tactical decision. What's it going to be? Uh, end of issue. Then we go to issue three and no decisions made. They're just standing around watching. <laughs> Let's start of Maybe opening it up. Start of issue three. All of them are talking, obviously, except Snake Eyes. They've all got mm-hmm. something to say, but none of them are doing anything. And the next page is just a silent page with Bomb Strike getting herself out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. well, yeah, I guess she's still quite high up by the time 
she gets herself out of trouble. Yeah. And then Torpedo does some crazy leap off the platform. Yeah. Uh, probably breaks his shoulder and her ribs and they go into the sea. Yeah. It's a, it's a high, it's a high distance to be jumping off and landing onto that, uh, bumpy old, bumpy old sea. Yeah. And yeah. There's a lot of dialogue going on there for a, for, you know, what would be a quite quick, <laughs> quick fall. Do you want yeah. to count it? How long would it take to say this? Isla Backman shoved Helix out of the transport helo. She's going to hit the edge of the oil rig. They trap. They strapped her into an explosive vest. Twenty sticks of TNT at least. What's she doing? Some sort of contortionist thing. Yeah, you're probably mm. looking at at least ten to twelve seconds there. Yeah, it's so. a lot of falling and. Uh... And um, uh, so she's she's Helix has managed to get out with this USB stick, which has got a load of intel or information on. Um, That's right. And you'd think that would kind of be the end of the story. But then Isla decides she wants to go and kill Helix's parents. Yeah. It it feels very... Not that I'm going to say out of character because I don't know the character. She's only just been introduced in the story. But it feels like any kind of bad guy worth their salt would then just try and slip away under the radar rather than go and try and kill someone's parents it just didn't ring true at all to it just felt like you said it felt very filmic i had the same thought that there's a bit of a jump in logic here that that you know if she's such a a, you know a cunning um sort of evil trafficker whatever she's you know she's fairly long in the tooth um what she really got to gain by just going out getting uh, going to to helix's parents and trying to off them other than a you know fairly petty take take revenge it's it's only going to make Helix more determined, if anything, isn't it? Um, yeah. To, and so then Firefly turns up, our old buddy Firefly that we saw falling off a train in Japan. Yeah, I don't think anyone ever thought that his fall off the train was going to be the end of him. I mean, that fall off the train was a much shorter distance than the fall off the oil rig. Yeah, and I don't really... He, they mention about Zartan falling off as well, and I can't remember. That was the dawn of Arashikage, issue 250. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember Zartan falling off. They, he obviously... That was, yeah, when Zartan was on the top of the train, initially disguised as the soft master before revealing himself as Zartan and they had a tussle and then they both leapt off the top of the train into the water below. All right. Um, Larry, also, I just want to point this out. Larry just can't can't seem to leave the martial arts alone because um, Helix also is a skilled martial artist because her mother was an MMA fighting Mm -hmm. champion. So he, he just feels the need for every character to be able to do some kind of, um, you know, martial arts um, fighting skills. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's just a, a common trope for him. But. <laughs> it does seem to be. And he's, he, you know, they're front and centre. They've got Bombstrike, Helix, Dawn, uh, who are all pretty handy, at least with a, a gun and, and with seemingly super, yeah, superhero levels of uh, in terms of their skill set. Yeah. Um, yeah, bomb strike doesn't doesn't use a sword, but uh, otherwise they're all pretty, uh, you know, pretty kick-ass to yeah. uh, yeah. O- overpowered individuals. Um, so, so I don't think it's necessarily uh, a gap uh, in terms of the the the, the character specializations. No, and it, and it felt to me like handle themselves with them. It felt to me like the backstory and the the the, the backup story telling her origin and the early parts of Helix's appearance in issues one and two, that she was being framed as a character who, obviously not mute, but was very 
kept to herself, very um, not flowing with the dialogue or conversation, didn't want any mm-hmm. part. But then you come to issues like three and four and she's just randomly chatting to pretty much anyone. It just felt like <laughs> she- <laughs> the character hadn't, you know, she just then become, oh, he's just a regular character now. She had maybe something about her in those in the, the introduction, but then just Larry forgot mm. about all that. It sort of go it falls by the wayside. So, so yeah, I wondered with the silent option whether. Oh yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Before you go there, because I, there's another beef I had on the back of all the books. It says nobody will. Uh, uh, something about. Um, uh, and her first unofficial mission as a Joe may very well be her last, and nobody will ever know because when Agent Helix is involved, the only option is the silent option. I explain that. So I guess the context there is that that Helix has been the secret Black Ops stealthy agent and up and she's been working for uh, Hawk for a number of years on on these you know wet work kind of missions in the in the background for him and no no one's ever known about him so she's ultra secret ultra uh yeah uh ultra silent so that her right. she is the uh silent option perhaps yeah, maybe. Um, I think for issues one and two, she doesn't speak at all. So, so I wonder if they were playing with the idea or intending to have the idea that she might be mute. Uh, okay. But I, I guess it, it's just that sort of that. Um, I guess may, maybe there's a you know an autism there or something or or, right. or um, some sort of psychological damage from her trauma of uh, of, of being. Uh, a, uh, when she was a child that meant that she's less comfortable at um you know interacting with people and you know they they quite make quite a point of of that um that she doesn't like to be you know touched and and sort of is quite difficult initially <laughs> initially at any rate yeah. in terms of some of those just sort of more conversational things that you know she's just sat on the way or once once they've completed that initial mission and, and are going away from it and she, i think yeah they, they make a point of showing her being silent and right. not communicating for quite some time i was going to say um just sort of and in that uh, in that sequence where helix was uh, being silent as well i noticed that this was a fairly subtle thing that uh, dawn lifts up her visor when she's okay. talking to her and she also does that when she's talking to the uh, the kid ninja on the oil platform and right. i thought that was quite a nice little touch there that she she you know kind of humanizing her a bit human yeah exactly humanizing herself and and trying to create a connection and and, an empathy there as well you might remember that uh that army advert that recruitment advert where there was the army guy in his uh sunglasses and with a a hostile sort of shouting at him and he lifts up his sun sunglasses and there's that connection with the eyes and it sort of just brings the the whole uh, sort of tension uh down i thought it was a yeah a nice little touch there from larry um, I also noticed sort of um, a a nice little I spy moment there uh, in terms of uh, Larry's uh, experiences with uh, hotels, possibly, that uh, Alpine, when he rocks up at the hotel, they say to him, service entrance is around the back. And that's uh, similar to the... Uh, uh, to Stalker arriving at a hotel back in issue 61 where they said oh, right. to him, no spitting in the hallways. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 nice, nice. And I also noticed that in the, in Larry's world, room service is particularly dangerous as well. Yeah, he's so, a big fan of that, isn't he? That was the Stalker special missions he had. That exactly, well back in 251, Stalker had uh, some unfriendly room service 
and Snake Eyes in issue 118, that uh, Destro tri- trilogy as well, had some uh, some room service knocking on his door with uh, ready to do him in. So yeah, here here it is uh, again. Yeah, <laughs> that, nice, uh, nice. <laughs> Al- Alpine is uh, falls foul of some unfriendly room service. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. speaking of things that Larry ha- likes, let's see if there's any other hammerisms that we can spot. Let's do it. Time to beat the soles of your boots with my face Sucking chest wounds, red ninjas, brain scanners, rubber hooded blue ninjas And then some more sucking chest wounds Hammer time Okay, what you got for me? So I've got, uh, for my hammer time, I've got the Joes using one of Larry's favourites, Willie Pete which, as a Joe reader, you know means... White phosphorus. Now then, uh, is that... It, I suppose you could say that was more of a colloquialism than a hammerism or not? Or no, hammer time? I don't know. Uh, I'd say it was hammer time because it's a regular, a regular phrase that Larry likes to use in the books every few issues. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He Rather than like just Willy a word Pete. to explain. Um, so uh, so yeah it's uh, used here by the Joes when they're fending off the red ninjas and uh, yeah Alpine gives us a little science lesson on how it's used as well that uh, if you if it gets on you you can smother it or douse it with water you have to scrape it off your skin with a knife oof <laughs> nasty so yeah uh, I don't know that the the Joes using Willie Pete uh, on their enemies though it sort of gives them much of the the moral high ground though it's uh, like no, zero said, <laughs> a lot of uh, firing uh, firing fairly indiscriminately and just laying waste to their enemies in in whatever way gets the the job done yeah in this story nasty uh, also- any any oh you got more I'll cut you off there go on carry on Uh, we also had some more intersecting figure eight cuts as well which uh, we saw I think in the yearbook uh, yeah that's becoming a regular now as well so uh, that's uh, if if you if you want to get the job done uh, but actually probably just get shot uh, that's that's the way to to, uh, attack your enemies yep but Larry also likes to use some words and educate us so let's see some colloquialisms there used to be a pudding that was over-egged. You know the pudding. You know the pudding. At first it was British, but then it was Commonwealth. You know the pudding. You know the pudding. But now there's a new player in town. A comic book writer of, of some renown. He's using real-world examples and peppering the issues with with lots of samples. It's a Larry Hammer colloquialism. He's talking G.I. Joe and all its heroism. Can you guess what it is? Is it something new? Now listen as Larry drops a slice of real life on you. How was uh, Larry educating us this week? All sorts. Did, did Was there anything that stuck out to, to you before I, I get started on with, uh, with no, my... No, because I read it so quick I wanted to get to the end. I didn't note down anything. <laughs> Well, you mentioned that Isla said that will be they'll be blowed to der turfle. Yes, um, that probably probably is guessable. Kingdom come. Uh, it, it let me say it again. Der turfle, 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 turfle. The devil. Devil. Well done, chief. Yes. Yeah, of course. The devil. 
and uh, she said uh, she also said to the to, in German that the Joes were. Uh, let me. I might have to take a couple of runs up at this one. Like glow big, It is amusing how light glow big you are. Gullible. Gullible. Yes. Well done. Boom. <laughs> Got it. Excellent. Uh, and this this was this was not necessarily a colloquialism, but but a, a sort of a turn of phrase that that, that warmed my cockles. Uh, that that uh, Helix was described as not being the warmest cookie on the plate. Oh, nice! Yeah, love it. <laughs> and then when they were over on the flag, um, it was uh, I guess uh, Keelhall um, described some of his support staff as being blue shirts. Blue shirts. I guess is that Thoughts. different to green shirts being the army? Blue shirts. Well, that being was Navy. my initial thought as well. Yeah. So I thought, you know, green shirts, just sort of your standard infantry men in the in the army. Uh, you know, green shirts is is. Uh, a turn of phrase that was used quite a lot in in Devil's Due, uh, GI Joe. So I thought, yeah, makes sense. Would you, you just call Navy blue shirts then? Yeah. Uh, but looking into it, on board a Navy aircraft carrier flight deck, their their crew have different colour uniforms for the different type of uh, work they carry out. So uh, they're distinguished by the colour of their uniform. Everyone that serves on the flight deck has a specific job so uh, the blue shirts uh, primarily handle the logistics on the flight deck okay and there's like all, yeah all sorts of other pur- uh, colors like purple and whatnot cool dig into it i might share the share the link to more detail on that one on the socials yeah, so we've um heard larry's um educating us but did, was there anything he wrote that was your favorite line of dialogue yeah, there was a couple uh, that stuck in my mind. But what you go first, and then then if I've duplicated, um... I don't have one. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll go for two then. Yeah, do it. <laughs> one one for both of us. Okay, nobody has ever survived the Red Ninja five prong sickle technique. I'm not your average nobody, and I'm curious how the technique works with one less prong. Yes, she shoots one of the prongs. Yes. Uh, and then this is towards the end of issue four. They go, he shot off half her face. She's choking on her own blood and bone fragments. Nasty. <laughs> Did anyone stand out? Maybe we should see if we can single out someone for the MVP. Who is the MVP? Most valuable person in these issues. Who is the MVP? Is it a Cobra Joe or the enemy? The good guys are the Joes now show Counter-terrorist force but hush it's on the down low Pages of this book go have a look We're searching for guys or gals that have the hook The hook of being the best thing in the story Chomping up scenes front and center allegory And let's not forget about those cats named Cobra Sipping Don Perion. are you sure they're sober? Brainwave Scanner is back gonna be messing Big CC and Destro teach a lesson Talking valuable, can we talk the dreadnoughts Grape soda, chocolate donuts and then the jukebox who is the MVP? Most valuable person in these issues. Who is the MVP? Is it a Cobra Joe or the enemy? 
Okay, I am. I'm going to pick someone here. I'm actually going to pick Torpedo just for leaping off a battle platform oil rig thing and um, saving a woman who's falling from the sky. Uh, yeah, excellent. And uh, and yeah, they in in the story they I guess tried to kind of make Torpedo in his own place because he's from Hawaii and they were sort of throwing in a few uh, Hawaiiisms, if yeah. we would. So, yeah, he says uh, Kaha Kaha. That rig is bigger than a small town. And on that first page of issue two, actually, that splash page, where on they're on the uh, uh, dinghy as they as they're making their way to the oil platform. That's a page that I have got. All oh, right, nice. Yeah, I thought that. I thought it was Peter, collection. but it's you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he, Pete, Pete posted it on his Jovember Twitter feed. Yes. Um, but yeah, good page. Very good. Uh, MVP for you. MVP. I was going for Alpine, just in terms of nice to see him with a little bit of airtime, a bit of an underused character. So yeah. good to see him fleshing out uh, the uh, six-person team in this yep. Uh, story. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Yo Joage for this one, please, sir. Uh, shall we? Before we get to the Yo Joage, shall we? We know that Larry has his favourite sayings and his colloquialisms, but he also has a favourite material, which is Molly Steele. He does. But- Hit it. Where's Marley? Where's Marley? Where, 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 where's Marley? Okay, any Molly here? Did you, spot the, did you spot the Molly in this one? Did not. Did not. Oh, well, you see, in the safe room, the panic room, the door and frame are made out of Molly steel. Uh, and they were merely painted to look like wood and wool bird. Wool, okay. <laughs> wool board. Mark Wahlberg, yeah. Yeah, they're really painted to make him look like Wahlberg. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go, there you go. <laughs> Yo, right. Joe Edge, you're yeah. going to score this really high, aren't you? I'm going to give it five, I think. Ooh, okay, it could have been worse. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. I felt like it was a bit of a, a sort of a yeah blockbuster film, uh, sort of just running at a massive pace. Okay. Uh, Possibly some some, le- some leaps of logic and, and the gore was overdone, but uh, I think I generally enjoyed it. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with a seven on this one. Maybe seven. even a seven and a half. Oh, so maybe a seven and a half. I'll put a question mark. You can tell me later. Um, scores are in. Scores are locked away in the archive. Now, um, next week, we will be covering... In fact, there's a five-part storyline coming up next. It's called... The Cobra's Venom. So my suggestion is everyone reads those five issues, 256 to 260, and then we'll read them. And if there's too much to break down in five issues, we'll do it in uh, two installments. But read all five just in case. Uh, But now after talking comics, we need to talk more toys, and you're the man for that. Mark talks about toys, ho ho. He talks about G.I. Joe. He talks about all the toys from the comic book and the animated show. Mark talks about toys. Mark talks about toys. Okay, Chief's guest, I'm guessing Alpine. <laughs> no, it's not Alpine. I'm guessing Torpedo. <laughs> it's not Torpedo. I'm guessing... Who else was on this mission? Let me, uh, I can't even remember. Uh, I'm guessing... <sighs> oh. I don't know. Um, well, last last week, uh, last episode, you guessed in advance it was going to be Helix. Oh, okay, Helix. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of ding, course, ding. of course. <laughs> what a chump. Right, <laughs> tell me about Helix. Okay, so Agent Helix, let me ping you a photo of the of the toy. <laughs> it's going to be silent, or is it going to be noisy? 
Uh, well, I turned it off silent, but when it came through, I got no noise. So, Ugh, silent okay. option again. Yeah. Okay. So Helix came out in uh, 2009. Uh, Agent Helix was released in one of the waves of G.I. Joe, the Rise of Cobra toy lines. So very much the same time that the film was coming out and was actually introduced in the Rise of Cobra video game. Um, And the developers of the game were a company called Double Helix. Okay. So uh, the character was named after the developers and was designed by Mayan Escalante who was a character artist at Double Helix. Um, the character was originally introduced in to the comics in the G.I. Joe Helix special in 2009 written by Brian Reed before then uh, the character was incorporated a little bit later into the main uh, IDW continuity book and a uh, similar character in some ways they've sort of i think they've they've played up obviously the the damaged uh past um aspect in in these issues but uh quite a lot of cross crossover so and they've played down some of this superhero uh almost mutability that that she had in the comics which struck me as a little bit little bit weird in the GI Joe verse uh where Helix had what Hawk called total organic battlefield awareness where helix could fight uh, master a fighting style after just having encountered it once before and that she was some sort of savant bordering on autistic uh, where she was able to identify and solve complex calculations at a spooky rate where everything she saw was a data set and could figure out everything in advance uh, counting um uh, the miles before t- a tank's um, petrol fuel runs out, uh, what an ammo count would be, etc. Um, in terms of the toy, um, most of her stuff is uh, classified. She's uh, got preferred weapon, which are these uh, dual 10 millimeter auto pistols, which uh, featured in some of the artwork in these issues, particularly uh, in the uh, variants covers or pinups by uh kenneth lowe um and yeah the the file cards at this point in time were sort of much pared back and i don't think written by uh larry uh, so it just says agent helix is a covert operations officer with advanced martial arts training and expert marksmanship an olympic class gymnast her distinctive whirlwind attack is an overpowering combination of kicks and firepower sounding very much something like uh uh, out of a video game, which of course she was. Yeah, this but, figure is horrendous, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's obviously uh, from this uh, era, which you know was a little bit hit and miss. Um, the the basic design very much similar to what we've uh, what we've seen in the the comics, but um, yeah, a little bit you know wonky looking. It's not the most. Uh, appealing. Hold on a second. Someone's at the front door. Someone's at the front door. Uh, the head sculpts on this is horrible. Um, I don't like those pistols either. And the boobage is just too <laughs> big. Um, just, nah, just. Yeah, it looks like she's got a bit of a corset going on, which is, yeah. you know, scooping in her waist and pushing up her boobs. Nah, not for me. Um, how, you know. When, what year was this, the figure? This was 2009. Okay. And this was actually a figure that uh, 
I got, I think Peter gave it to me and, uh, and I passed it on to the kids. So naturally all of the accessories were lost and the figure has gone missing as well. So okay. not one in my collection anymore. Probably chucked in the bin. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Is that the only figure for Agent Helix? Uh, I think it was. I would have to double check to be 100% certain. Okay. But yeah, uh, I don't I don't know how much love for the character there there was out there. In, okay. Uh, All right. In well, the Jojo, yeah, in the yeah, it doesn't seem to be uh, uh, on an initial look. There doesn't seem to be any other versions of that character that listed on Yojo. So I'm guessing that might be the only one. Okay, there you go. Agent Helix, everyone. Uh, best left forgotten in terms of the figure-wise. But um, character, uh, you know, initial uh, appearance here in this A-Ra continuity, um, not that impressed. I did prefer the backup story, um, but I think fleshed out a bit more and used a bit better in that IDW continuity. But let's see what Larry does with her going yeah. forward. Curious more... to see if, uh, if she makes a, a, a return in the next yeah. few issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more Toy Talk next week. Uh, Chief can continue his 100% record of guessing correct first time. Um, I don't know how you but... do it. I know, I don't know how I do it. Um, no Mando, obviously, this week. However, I did close out Season 5 on the Clone Wars animated Oof. with four of the greatest episodes ever created. Um, okay, you're not allowed to talk about them because I haven't seen them, so... You will never get around <laughs> to watching them. You'll never get around <laughs> to watching them, don't worry. It'll happen one day. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so now let's move on to listener question. Funky Bunch. Mark Boy Chief. Okay, snazzy new jingle there. Um, and the question that we put to the listeners this week was, what was your claim to fame? Um, good responses mainly contained to the Facebook group. Uh, you want to read out a few of them? Yeah, do you want to pull up and we can, we can tag team on, on these questions? Sure, do it. So, so the, the, the first reply out the gate was uh, from some goon called Peter who said, my, talk, my brother is totally one of the co-hosts of Talking Joe. I also know Chief. Um, I don't know who he is, this guy. No, he keeps trying to um, sully the said and name, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because yeah. we you know, sad, if anything. Yeah. Um, Snowcat Ron, um, he was involved in the G.I. Joe Berg's Element X video, which I have seen, actually. I quite enjoyed that one. So um, he, he did some of the work there, did editing and voicing and stuff. So well done, Snowcat. Good stuff. Uh, Bart was over there saying uh, saying that back on in the day on the DDP and Joe declassified message boards, he was kind of infamous. Yep. Lots of debates and fights. <laughs> yep. Good stuff. Um, Magnus had a letter published in ARA. Yeah, uh, amazing. I think you put up, you you posted a pic of it, didn't you, as well? 
Yeah, uh, that's that's yeah been posted over on the Facebook boards to, to see it. What a good great claim for tame, What a great claim to fame though for for the context of this podcast. You yeah. had a letter in the uh, the milestone one five five. Fantastic. He also, he also had a letter published in a Bruce Springsteen fan magazine and a Lego fan magazine. So well done. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Mark, not me. Uh, said that he used to be a ballet student at a professional dance academy. He, at age 12, he performed at the Dutch Disney Club with his classmates and performed at a Dutch talk show. Uh, and yeah, At the age of 14, he performed in a dance piece called F- to F- to The Art to Find the Mind's Construction in the Face. Oh dear, Thomas is in trouble in the background. Yeah, there's uh, shenanigans going on. <laughs> <laughs> And, and yeah, we've got a plotted history of Mark's whole life there. So yeah, join in the fun uh, on the Facebook group and and uh, and see see all of that. Yeah, uh, Chris is a serial background guy um, <laughs> in the background filming of Saturday morning kids TV shows, um, Channel Four, Channel Five documentaries about Spider Man, uh, which I think you were you were in one of those as well, weren't you? Yeah. So so he said that he was in this in the background uh, of this Channel Five documentary about Spider Man, which was filmed at the Bristol Comic Con. And, you know, snap, I was actually in the background of that same documentary, um, which is quite an amazing uh, coincidence. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. funny. There you go. Um, Jubba, S-Jubs, S-Jubs 7, forgot to tell us that he's best mates with Ian McKellen when he was on oh. the show. Um, so he, he's, I think he goes round and has tea and crumpets with Ian McKellen on a regular basis. Or maybe he just um, was in a production that Ian McKellen saw. And then have a few, drink, have a few <laughs> drinks with them afterwards. But uh, well done, S. Jobs. Um, what else I've have lost we got? connection. You've lost connection. I'll carry on. Uh, Big Jim, Big Jim Godfrey, um, the master of the Dio. He, uh, what's he got? Back in the uh, late nineties, early noughties, he used to work on Channel 4's Tea Time pre-pub Ladfest TFI Friday. That was Chris Evans, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, Jay, his biggest claim to fame was working as a reporter for his local newspaper, covered all kinds of events, council meetings, got asked to speak at a number of events, got asked to judge a Halloween costume contest two years in a row. That's the big time, baby. Yeah, yeah. And he won an award as well from the Ohio Newspaper Association for a special section uh, he created by himself, celebrating the town's bicentennial. So well done, Jay. Um, Good responses there. It's if nice we missed, to see If we that. missed any, apologies, but I think we covered most of them there. Yeah. But nice to see that community that's uh, sort of developing in the Facebook groups. And, and yeah, if you're a regular listener, you're not in the Facebooks, get yeah. on over. Yeah. Have you got any claim to fame at all or not? Uh, so my auntie is uh, was a an actress. Uh, so Alexandra Bastido is her name. You can Google her. She was in a series in the 1960s called The Champions, which was a bit like the the Avengers, right. uh, not not the Marvel Avengers yeah, yeah. Uh, of uh, the time, and um, is a lady that uh, will be well known to men of a certain age in, I guess, their 50s, 60s, because uh, they would have, would have been uh, a memorable, uh, would, yeah, would have made somewhat of a mark on their psyche cool. at that, uh, that time. Cool. Good <laughs> stuff. Good stuff. What about yourself, Chief? Um, I don't know if I've really got any claims to apart from being a world-class clown and um, and and hobbyist. Um, I, I tell you what, I did have uh, I when I was in sick form at school. I think I've still got it. I'll dig it out and put it on the socials. Somehow, and this is not really famous at all, but somehow in the the school yearbook, 
uh, where obviously you've got pictures of all the classes, all the pupils. Um, I somehow had a four-page spread, sent four-page centre spread all to myself um, of just dressed up in silly costumes that that, that I was um, doing some very amateur filming at the time, and um, for some somehow they slipped that through the the editors. Um, gaze and uh, put four pages of chief in the middle of the whole school yearbook um, I'll, I'll see if i can get some pictures and post them up um, excellent i don't think i've done anything else of note <laughs> and of course you're you know best known as being uh, the the founding member of uh, the, the the worldwide the world's greatest uh, that is known as talking joe yeah there you go yeah. well even if we're not the world's greatest there's definitely no other podcast in the history of humankind has covered more G.I. Joe comics than we have. So I think I'm going to phone up Norris McWhorter for the Guinness Book. Of, I think he's dead, isn't he? Uh, phone up him or whoever's taken his place for the Guinness Book of World Records and see if they can acknowledge us and, and sanction us uh, and, you know, um, well, rubber stamp us. Yeah. Yeah. Was it sectioning? I'll get yep. sectioned, yeah, definitely. But um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, we don't have a question at the ti- at this time of recording for next week, but uh, there will be one. It will go out on the socials, so check all those out for next week's question for you, our loyal and uh, much-loved listeners. But uh, you can catch us in all the usual places. Find those social media places, and they are Talking underscore Joe on Twitter, Talking Joe Comics on Instagram, Talking Joe Comics at gmail.com or talking joe a gi joe podcast on facebook but with all that said and done we will catch you down the road because we've been talking joe and we're all out of joes especially silent ones no more silent joes please laters <laughs>